This is Tim Haig Reads Books, presented by Tim Haig. Lawrence Block freely concedes that he's made a hopeless mess of retirement. At 75, he is busier than ever, still writing several series of books, overseeing special editions of his back catalogue and negotiating movie adaptations. A Matthew Scudder film is due out next year. Tim is a fan of Lawrence Block in general and of the Bernie Rodenbar series in particular. It is nearly 10 years since the last burglar book, so Tim was dying to read it. LB lives in New York City and Tim in London, so Tim and Larry got together on the phone to discuss The Burglar Who Counted the Spoons. By uh, happy chance, I have been reading a lot of classic American mystery writing recently, you know, the Dashiell Hammett, the uh, James M. Cain, the Raymond Chandler stuff, the, the stuff with the uh, intricate plots and razor-sharp dialogue and an utter commitment to, to uh, forward narrative. And um, by, uh, by similar happy chance, one contemporary writer who is keeping these virtues alive is Lawrence Block, whose new book is The Burglar Who Counted the Spoons. Uh, well, it was the new book this morning. It might not be this afternoon because, Larry, you, you're a bit of a phenomenon. You you seem to be writing more now than you ever did. And this it's like there's a new book or a magazine story every, every week. Uh, is that true or is it just my impression? I, I think it's largely an impression, Tim, because a lot of uh, my early work is getting uh, getting republished. So it looks as though I'm much busier than I am. Well, you published your first books, I think, in, was it the 1950s, under a, a, a confusing range of, of noms de plume. Um, I th- am I right in saying your early work was uh, largely, well, well, now shall we call it erotica or porn? Uh, I, I like to call it mid-century erotica. And uh, a lot of that is being republished now with all the other things that you did as well. So you, you've, been, you've been a professional writer for 50 or 60 years. About 55 years, I think, something like that. Crumbs. It is a bit hard to know where to start with you because you are a, a, a bit of a cottage industry. I mean, even now you've got uh, four or five series going. Uh, you're, you, you publish yourself as well as uh, handing books over to other publishers. You run a, um, a, an online bookshop, I know, with uh, special editions and offers and, and uh, signed copies and freebies for the faithful. You also do an enormous amount of traveling. How, how do you get it all done? M- many people would have retired after, you know, half a century or so. Well, I I thought I was <laughs> retired a couple of times, Tim. I I thought, oh, about five years ago, I really thought I was done writing novels. And then there were a couple more. And, I, and again, I thought I was done. And just this summer, uh, I went off... Uh, on a, a cruise dedicated solely to the purpose of uh, of getting a book written, and I came back with the burglar who counted the spoons. So I I think I've just made an absolute dog's breakfast of retirement. I'm just not <laughs> good at it. Let's talk about uh, Bernie Rodenbar, who is the uh, the principal character in the burglar who counted the spoons, and indeed in in all of these uh, burglar books and. He he really is a burglar. That's really who he is, isn't he? T- tell me about Bernie. Well, Bernie is a, a very nice fellow, an affable gentleman, uh, well-read. Uh, he runs a second-hand bookstore in Greenwich Village and uh, is uh, just a, a perfect fellow with one character defect, and that's that he steals. And I began writing about Bernie, oh my goodness, in the mid-70s, I guess it was. I think the first book, Burglars Can't Be Choosers, came out in 1977. 
And uh, at the time, um, I had no idea writing that book that I would go on writing more about him. But the burglar who counted spoons is number 11. And uh, Bernie, fortunately, stays the same age forever, which is a, oh, a great... I was going to point that out, because Scudder, for instance, in one of your other series, he develops, he changes. Bernie Bernie is always the same age and is always uh, the, the same character. I mean, the, the bookshop, is uh, he, he bought it, I think, in about the third book uh, along the way, didn't he? But he, he, he is a fixed point, isn't he? Yes, and it's fortunate, because I think if he... But in any way, the, the premise of the series would, would no longer work. He has to stay pretty much the same. With Matthew Scudder, it, it operates on a different level of reality. And, uh, and I've I found that the character had to grow and change and age. And has, it's now uh, rather difficult uh, to imagine continuing to write about Matthew Scudder, though I, I still find him interesting, but he's... A, a little old to be a, an action hero, poor chap. Bernie, on the other hand, is just great fun. Is it true that you won an informal competition with your uh, with your crime writer peers for the most inappropriate casting for your central character in a movie adaptation? <laughs> I, I I don't know that there was any, any competition involved, but uh, the idea that uh, that Bernie would indeed be played by Whoopi Goldberg in the film, uh, did come as a, a considerable surprise to many of us. Because she hasn't played a lot of middle-aged Jewish men in the past. It's, it's odd casting, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is, yes. So tell me, did, did having movie adaptations of your books change the way you write at all? I don't think so. I, I try to put all of that out of my mind when I'm writing. Uh, the... Uh, the movie that will be coming out in September is A Walk Among the Tombstones uh, with Liam Neeson playing Matthew Scudder. And I suppose were I to write another Scudder, I would uh, I would probably have to make a certain amount of effort not to keep seeing Liam Neeson in, uh, in, in the role. But I, I think once I get into a book, it has its own reality sufficiently so that nothing much intrudes. I, I, I mentioned the, 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 the sort of doyens of uh, American uh, crime writing or mystery writing earlier on. You, you are more or less in, in love with, with that stuff, aren't you? you, you, you I, I can see conscious evocations and references back to it. I mean, you, you, you reference a lot of contemporary writers as well, but uh, am I right in thinking that you, you look back to that uh, as a golden age? Oh, I think every age is a golden age. I think uh, an awful lot of what uh, is being written right now is uh, is is of certain quality. Um, but I I think it's uh, the one great advantage the past has is it's much easier to be nostalgic about it. <laughs> that's that's very true. How do you keep? Uh... Bernie's voice so clear. These books are in the first person, so it's Bernie talking to us, and he's extremely good company, um, which I think is very important to the books. Um, do you go back and read the previous ones, or is it Larry Block's voice that I'm hearing there? Because I, I read your newsletter, your online newsletter, and uh, there's there's a lot, uh, a lot of uh, the, the same tone of voice in there that there is in these books. 
I, I'm sure there is, but uh, I, I think the characters uh, in various series tend to have uh, have different narrative voices, and it's uh, it's somehow the easiest thing in the world for me to just get into the voice. Uh, I wrote uh, an eighth book about Evan Tanner, one one character of mine who's who's involved in foreign adventure generally. And I had written seven of the books in the 60s and 70s. And then I wrote the eighth in, I think it was 1998. There was something like 28 years between book seven and eight. And I thought it might be difficult to get into the voice. And all I did was uh, sit down and, and it was just there as if, as if uh, Evan Tanner had been uh, occupying a couple of uh, brain cells all these years just waiting for a chance to speak again. So I can't really take credit for it. That's, uh, that's a gift that I'm uh, grateful for. Well, I said that the way that these books work is that Bernie has to be good company. It, is that necessary because of the moral ambiguity? I mean, he's a thief after all. I think that's part of it. Uh, one uh, one finds, uh, finds him a good company and thus is willing to excuse his being a thief. But I have another character that you mentioned before, uh, Keller, who's uh, uh, a, an assassin for hire. You know, uh, when the money's paid, he goes out and kills someone. And um, people find themselves very conflicted about Keller. Uh, I remember one time I was at, uh, doing a reading and a woman said, uh, said that, <clears throat> that she thought I was doing something very subversive here. She said she was sitting in her chair uh, reading and she found herself looking off into the middle of the dis middle distance and actually saying out loud well so he kills people what's so bad about that and i, I hadn't intended to provoke that sort of reaction on the part of a reader but it, it kind of delighted me that i had yeah but you were before your time as well i mean she she must have been delighted with dexter on television the you know the serial killer on tv i suppose i suppose she was most of your books are set in, uh, well, most of these are set in New York City, which is, of course, where you live. Um, and I'm, I'm modestly familiar with New York, and I was able to follow uh, Bernie round with the age of a, a city map. Is it important to you to get the geography right, and in fact, all, all the background? Is that a, a, a point of pride? Well, it's important to me not to get it wrong, um, because that just takes a reader right out of a narrative if he, if sees that that something is not as he knows it to be at, at the same time i have to keep it in mind that i'm not writing guidebooks and i don't want uh, to uh, put an excessive amount of uh, of landscape and such i've been careful not to give away any of the plot details because half of the pleasure in in uh, a, a book like this is seeing how you set up the the various strands that seem to have nothing to do with each other and then you you, you bring them together again and you've even given us a scene in which bernie gets to say you're probably wondering why i've gathered you all together in this bookshop which by the way delighted me i love <laughs> i love these little flashbacks i get the impression finally from from reading in particular the burglar books which I find delightful because they're so funny and they're so they're so frothy and, and friendly. I get the impression that you think reading ought to be fun, and you do, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I I uh, I, I don't want uh, a book to be a struggle. Uh, is it as much fun to write them? Do you love the the mechanics of putting them together? 
yes and no. When when it's going well, it 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 just feels wonderful. But there's no getting away from the fact that it's uh, it's hard work. Well, Laura's block, uh, the hard work has paid off. The burglar who counted the spoons is enormous fun. Um, I romped through it. It's uh, published by, well, LB, uh, which stands for Lawrence Block. So it's published by you in America at $14.99, which is a really good price for a, for a trade paper back in America these days. And uh, it's available as an ebook as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it will be coming in the UK from Orion, though I don't know exactly when. And people can come to you because you have a you have a a, a website and a and a, a newsletter through which you you sell uh, first editions and signed editions and things. Where do people come if they want to get something special? Uh, just uh, com. Well, I'm signed up. Larry, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Tim. That was Tim Haig reads books. Tim Hay Reads Books is a Green Shoot production. You can find out more at green-shoot.com and Tim can be contacted on tim at green-shoot.com.